It's time for the church to get the handbook and the instruction book back out and begin to build this thing right so that we can have Bible results. Let's get after it today. The following program is brought to you by friends and partners of End Time Headlines. All right, what's up, everybody? This is End Time Headlines. I am your host, Ricky Scabrell, the founder, the pastor, the voice of End Time Headlines. We want to welcome you to tonight's program. It is Tuesday, the 30th of January. Uh, again, if you're new to the broadcast, first time joining us, first time coming in, somebody invited you in, whatever the case may be, will you let us know in the comment section below, uh, below or the chat room? If you're listening by YouTube, um, if you're in the chat room, hit us up in the comment section. Let us know that you're new. excuse me, and where you guys are joining us from. And for everyone new or regular listeners, if you've not downloaded a free app, again, I always want to emphasize, get the app today. It's available on Apple and Android devices. Once you download it, hit yes to push notifications. This is going to ensure that you don't miss any of our content. Listen, it is an election year. And what that means is the social media giants, the big tech giants, They are working overtime to bring about suppression, shadow banning, and censorship. So if you want to see our content, you don't want to miss what we post, you don't want to miss our podcast, get the app today, download the app, hit yes to push notifications, and you're going to be good to go. And of course, if you're watching this via by Rumble or by YouTube, please do us a favor and hit that like button, hit that bell notification, because we want our our material to go out on these platforms, and it helps to push this out on the algorithms that these uh, companies have put out there. So today, we're going we're gonna to take a different direction today. We're not going to do any viewpoint segments today. We're not going to talk about headlines today. We're not going to do any kind of prophecy stuff today. Today, I want to kind of equip today. I want to equip and edify the body of Christ today today. I just want to share my heart a little bit on some things that I've noticed over years. You've probably heard me in some form or fashion talk about what I'm about to talk about today, but I was in the book of Exodus uh, this weekend in Exodus 32, and I saw some things there that was uh, was shocking to me because there, there was such a parallel in the book of Exodus chapter 32 with what we're dealing with today in the body of Christ. So before we get to that, I I want to emphasize, and I kind of opened with this, when I talked about it's time we find the instruction manual. Uh, Listen, men are really bad about this, guys. I'm just going to be honest with you. Men are the worst. We, We order something that we have to assemble, and... We, how many times we, we, you know, it comes in a box and then you open the box and it's got multiple boxes and it's all the accessories there. It's got like 200 piece set or it's 150 piece set. It's got the Allen wrench. It's got all the, the nuts and the bolts and it's got all the stuff you got to put together and you, uh, and there's an order to the chaos, but many of us never know that. 
or we don't understand that concept because we completely ignore the instruction manual that was specified by the creator of the merchandise or the product that we ordered. Let me say that again. We ordered the product from the manufacturer or we should say the creator, whatever, and they have manufactured that product to be assembled at a certain way with certain parts in a certain order. And if you don't, come on, if you don't assemble it correctly, it may look right to you. And you may even think, well, I don't need the instruction manual. I'll just do it my own way and I'll bypass I'll bypass the manufacturer's blueprint altogether because I know more than the manufacturer. Oh, I know where I'm going today. So I'm going to try to do it my own way. And you think, and and you get halfway through it and you're like, oh, this is great. It's working. And then you get the whole thing together. And it's right when you get to the very end, you realize this thing's lopsided. This thing's backwards. The left is supposed to be on the right side and the right side's supposed to be on the left side and the upside's supposed to be on the down and the down's supposed to be on the up. So now it's all messed up. And now what you, you try to take a shortcut to do it your own way. And now it's all jacked up and it's all messed up. And you're now, you've got to go back and reassemble everything from the beginning and then you get a great revelation and that is hey i probably should pull out the instruction manual and go step by step therefore i can do it do it once and do it right now you may say well what has all that got to do with what we're doing or what we're talking about today brother ricky well listen i believe And I've said this before, that if we as the body of Christ do things the Bible way, then we will get results of the Bible. Or let me say it like this. If we want Bible results, we got to do it the Bible way. I believe, listen, the instruction, that's why you've heard the acronym before. B-I-B-L-E, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. God, the creator, come on somebody, the manufacturer, left humanity his instruction book. He left us his instruction manual called the B-I-B-L-E, the 66 books of Canaan of Scripture. Everything that pertains to life, is found in the 66 books of the Bible. What you need to know about relationships, what you need to know about parenting, what you need to know about, come on, uh, running a pro- running a business and running with ethical um, uh, integrity. It tells you how to operate your church as a pastor or as a shepherd, how to deal with people in the church. It tells you all aspects of life, health, Economy, marriage, relationships, all of it, it's all right here in the Bible. And I'm going to tell you that I don't care who the author is, how many books they have in publication, or if they've been, you know, the New York Times bestseller list, if what they've written and they've published doesn't line up with the Bible, then it's good for nothing but toilet paper or come on or some good firewood. 
Come on, I'm going to listen. It, this may ruffle some feathers today, but I promise you I'm speaking the Bible truth today. Now, I've said all that to say this. I believe that, listen, Moses, let's go all the way back to Moses. Moses got the blueprints to the tabernacle on earth from the tabernacle that already existed in heaven. Let me, oh, let me say it again. God already had, come on, the, all of the furniture, the articles of the furniture of the temple was already in heaven and existed with God in heaven. There was a laver in heaven, a menorah in heaven. There was, um, the, uh, the, all that stuff was in heaven. Moses got a divine revelation from the Lord to build and replicate what was already in heaven. Oh, come on. Why do you think the Bible says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? So Moses understood this. And Moses, Moses had the instructions from heaven on how to build the tabernacle. It had to have a outer court, an inner court. And a holy of holies. There was a set order to it. And Moses understood that everything had to be done in decent and in order because God is not a God of confusion. He's not a God of chaos. He's not a God of disorder, but he's a God of, come on, he's a God of detail and order. Everything he does is in order. He's cyclical. He operates through patterns, cycles, times, seasons, types and shadows. It's all there. Moses didn't try to take a shortcut. But I'm going to show you today in the Bible some men that try to take shortcuts and it didn't end well for them. And listen, even the early church, Book of Acts, Day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost fell in the upper room and it birthed the church, the ecclesia. The ecclesia, the church, was birthed in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And then, by divine revelation of the Holy Spirit, instructions were given. The instruction manual was given out to the early church, to the early apostles, the pillars of the New Testament church. And read it, Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, all through the New Testament church. They begin to build the New Testament church, and they begin to operate in order and divine order from God. And because they did this and they were obedient to this, God moved in the miraculous. There was healings, deliverances, the dead raised, demons cast out. The church grew exponentially. Now, was there some bumps in the road? Yes. And you know why? Because there was certain people in the church in those days that decided that they were going to try to take a shortcut. They were going to try to deviate from the blueprint, from the instruction manual, and do things their own way. One couple was Ananias and Sapphira. They decided that they were going to lie to the Holy Spirit and hold back what God had instructed them to do. And because of that, they literally dropped dead. Listen, God wasn't playing around when he established this early church thing here. This was when the dispensation, the dispensation of grace was beginning to develop. 
Now we're we're in the we're, we're theologically speaking, we're in what's called the dispensation of grace. And again, I, and I've said this before, you better thank God that we are. Because listen, if we were not after what I show you today, we would see a lot of the Ananias and Sapphira stuff in the church today on a whole other level because of the nonsense that's going on in the church today. So watch this. Let me, if you go all the way back to Jeremiah in his day, there Israel, which again was God's chosen, the nation of Israel, they Again, you got to go all the way back, even into Exodus. I should probably get into Exodus first, but I'm going to go to Jeremiah because I'm, I'm trying to take us in a different angle here. Moses goes up and we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to show you that in a minute in the book of Exodus. He goes up, he gets the 10 commandments. He brings them down. He, he delivers them to the people. These are divine, watch this, instructions. The, again, the manual on how to do this thing. This was before the early church was born and birthed. On the day of Pentecost. This was before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Israel had their covenants, their statutes, their laws, their commandments. And God said to them, Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, if you'll do this, you'll obey me, you'll heed my commandments. I'm going to open the windows of heaven. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to exceedingly abundantly above bless you. I'm going to make you the head and not the tail and above and not beneath. You'll lend and not borrow. I'll make you triumph over your enemies. You will be the talk of the nations because they will look upon you and see how blessed you are because you are honoring and serving and obeying the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But in the same, come on, in the same breath, God then warns the children of Israel. And really, this is a warning to all the nations, if you want to be technical. But we're going to just forsake argument. We'll say Israel. He says to them, but if you do not hearken into the word of the Lord, hearken into my voice, heed my commandments, obey my statutes, then all these curses shall come upon you. You'll be the tail and not the head. You'll always borrow and never lend. You'll be beneath and not above. Your enemies that hate you will rise above you. They'll conquer you. They'll defeat you and they'll overtake you. You'll deal with sicknesses, plagues and pestilences and diseases and disasters until you are completely taken under. So here we are. Then the prophet Jeremiah warns the people of Israel in his day. He, I mean, he is lashing out at them. Thus saith the Lord to the people, telling them that they have fallen into idolatry and wickedness and lying and covetousness. And even their prophets among them are lying to the people and telling them peace when there is no peace. There's no shame. There's no blush. There's no repentance. The priests are giving it over to covetousness. All this, again, you can find this in the book of Jeremiah chapter 6. And it's interesting to me that Jeremiah makes this profound statement. I'm going to pull this up on the screen so you can see this. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, he tells him, Thus saith the Lord, stand in the ways and see. Open your eyes and look around and ask Plead, desire, long for, come on, 
ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. I mean, now stop right here for a second. Isn't it profound that the Lord tells the people of Israel? In essence, I know that you think you've got this thing figured out and that that, the, that serving God has become a, a nuisance. It's boring. It's ritualistic. It's become uh, monotonous. Punching the clock, doing this, doing that, going through the rituals, but giving the offering, the burnt offering, the love offering, going through the motions. And because it's become so simplistic, and you and 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 you've lost your flame, your desire, your passion. Now you've taken it upon yourself to seek a new path, a new direction. Come on, your own manual, your own instruction. I'm going to do it my way, because after all, that way's boring. That way's old. It's stale. I want something new exciting something that's going to to scratch my itching ears but god says no what you need to do is ask for the old paths paths where the good way is and walk in it and then you're going to find rest for your souls but look what it says here in verse 16 at the end of verse 16 right there on your screen But here's their response. But they said, we will not walk in it. And you say, I know some folks are saying, brother Ricky, what's your point? My point is, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to go to the book of Exodus in a second. This is where the church is today, friend. Listen, the original manuscript the original instructions, the original blueprints that was given to the early church. The apostles had it. The early church fathers had it. And then as time progressed, as we move forward in history, as we move forward, something happened along the way. The early, listen, the, the, um, the church begin to evolve, if you would, and they begin to seek out new paths, new methodologies, new programs, new wineskins, new ways of doing things because the old paths, the old ways, the old blueprints became obsolete. They became boring. Oh, listen, some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about, so I'm going to have to dial it down and use modern-day vernacular. Okay, here we go. Ready? We don't need those old red-back hymnals anymore because that was for the old folks. 
And after all, we have a new generation that don't want to hear those old songs. We don't need to sing Amazing Grace anymore. We don't need to sing those things anymore. We don't need to bring a tambourine into the house of God anymore. We don't need to have a testimony service anymore. We don't need to bring the oil and, and have the elders come up and pray for the sick anymore. We don't need to have an altar anymore and give an altar call anymore because after all, that makes people uncomfortable and it puts them on edge and we don't want to do that we want people to be comfortable we want people to, to feel you know relaxed and they want to be chill so listen we've tossed out and removed all of these things that were essential that we practice that we did in even in the early church that brought about results how far do you want me to go with this? Even our message has changed and, and conformed to the culture of this day. Oh, we got to get rid of repentance. We've got to get rid of the preaching of sin. We got to get pre, get rid of the preaching of the cross, preaching of the blood. We've, we've got to toss these things out, remove these things because people don't want to hear that anymore. Because it makes them uneasy, it makes them uncomfortable, it makes them nervous, it makes them on edge, it offends them, it ruffles their feathers. So what we're going to do is we're going to deviate from the original manuscript, the original instructions, and we're going to form and fashion and create our own programs and our own methodologies and we're going to try to build our own church based on our manuals and not God's manuals. Well, listen to me and listen to me real clearly. How's that working out for you? Huh? Is your church in revival? Is your church raising the dead? Are you seeing, are you seeing people in your church that are so full of the Holy Ghost that they can stand outside and people can walk by and their shadow can heal them? Are you taking handkerchiefs from your body and, and anointing them with oil and sending them out and seeing devils expelled from people and people being healed and people being delivered? Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm talking to somebody today if you're listening. So, yeah, you know, listen, you can call me old-fashioned, out-of-date, a dinosaur, a fossil, uh, uh, irrelevant, whatever you want to say. But I'm telling you, the, even the church I cut my teeth on 23, almost 24 years ago, we saw bona fide miracles, healings, deliverance, demons expelled. Come on, people, come on, experiencing an absolute life-changing, transformative move of God. I was a part of those things. Now, listen to me before people get mad and people send me an email and an ugly letter I am not saying that every single church, including your church, is not operating in the supernatural signs and wonders, miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because I know, and you know, we are not ignorant. We know that there will always, listen to me, there will always remain a remnant in the land. There will always remain a remnant of people out there that know what I'm talking about today, and they understand the importance of the old paths where the good way is, where they will find rest for their souls. They understand this concept. They understand the original blueprint and the original manuscript, and they're still operating in it. 
Now, you probably never heard of it because it's not televised. It's not a mega church. It doesn't have all the lights and the smoke machine and the cameras and people pointing uh, and people broadcasting on YouTube. Listen, some of the most powerful churches I've ever stepped foot in never had a single camera in it. Didn't have a light show, didn't have a smoke screen or fog machine, didn't have any of that stuff. What they had was a group of people that were hungry and desperate for a move of God. They had prayer warriors, they had intercessors, and they had people in there that knew how to touch God, and they were seeing results from it. Now look, I'm going to go, let's go to First Chronicles 13. I'm going to be going all over the place today, guys. This is just how I roll today. So you're just going to have to bear with me. I promise I may take us on side winding trails and get us off all kinds of places. But we're going to get you back on the main highway and get you home to where we need you to get today. First Chronicles 13, 7. Look, this is all the way back, guys. When the Ark of the Covenant was there, David was there. The presence of God was in. It, it, it was housed in the Ark of God at that time. There was an order to the way things were handled. So in the Bible, in First Chronicles 13, 7 through 11, it says they carried the ark of God. Now look what it says here. On a new cart. Somebody say a new cart from the house of Abinadab, excuse me, and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. That was never supposed to happen. All this is wrong. And David and all of Israel played music before God with all of their might, with singing, harps, stringed instruments, tambourine, cymbals, and trumpets. So they, again, just like today, they had the praise team, they had the worship team, they had the entertainers up there. And a lot of noise. But meanwhile, instead of abiding by the original blueprint in the manuscript, somebody came along and said, hey, I've got an idea. Let's put it on a new cart and do things a different way. And when they came to Chidden's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark. Why? Because the Bible says the oxen stumbled. And, be, and watch this, verse 10. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand upon the ark, and he died before God. He was not supposed to do that. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. Now, what's profound to me is the fact that David got mad at Uzzah. When obviously he was overseeing this whole thing being put on a new cart and they're trying to do things in a way in which it was never intended for it to be. The presence was supposed to be carried on the shoulders of the priest. So again, do you see what I'm saying here? This, this is terrifying, guys. It is absolutely terrifying. Now let's go to the book of Exodus. Now, this, there's a lot to read right here. I'm, I'm going to admit it. I'm going to be honest with you. This is a lot to read, but this is very informative here. And it's something we need to see here. First of all, I'm going to build it. Let me pull this back and I'll pull it back up here in a second. I'm going to tell you, so I'm going to build a foundation to get to this in Exodus here. When God called Moses from the burning bush, he called him to be a redeemer. 
to redeem Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And Moses began to try to make every excuse under the sun of why he could not do what God called him to do. I, I, they're, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to listen to me. I, I don't have good persuasive words. I stumble with my words. And, he beca- and, God kept, and God was putting up with it. And he was being patient with it. And eventually, the anger of God began to arouse against Moses. And he said, eventually, Moses said, all right, get Aaron. Go get Aaron, and he's going to be your voice. But listen to me, listen to me very clear. It was never God's intention for Aaron to be a part of that mission. What? Yes, it was never God's. God didn't call Aaron to be the redeemer of Israel to pull them out of Egyptian bondage. It was Moses. He appeared to Moses alone, not Aaron. But because Moses kept saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. God said, fine, you know what? Get Aaron. And Moses felt like he was now adequate to do what he was called to do because he had a um, a safety net called Aaron. But I'm going to show you that what he what Moses thought he needed to fulfill his calling actually became a stumbling block in his ministry. Ready? Let's go up here. Exodus 32. Now let me pull this up here and let's talk to you for a minute. So now we have Moses who is going up before the Lord. He's on the mountain in the presence of God, 40 days and 40 nights, seeking the face of God, getting the commandments of the Lord to bring down off the off Mount Sinai to bring to the children of Israel. This is going to be their, hello, are you listening? Their instruction manual and their blueprints. And while he's gone, He has left Aaron in control. Aaron is now the leadership. Aaron is the, quote, associate pastor, if you would. Come on, the pastor is on a sabbatical and he's seeking the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights, getting trying to get a word from the Lord for the church, and he's left the associate pastor, Aaron, in charge. Now look what happens here. Now, when the people, this is, again, this is Exodus 32. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, it isn't amazing what church folks do when they don't get an instantaneous answer to prayer. Oh, come on. Who am I talking to today? Well, brother Ricky, I didn't get an answer in my prayer, my 21 days of prayer and fasting. It don't mean your answer's not coming. Come on, Daniel. You need to know that God heard your prayer on the first day that you prayed. And there's probably contending and warfare over the answer. But you got to keep praying. You got to keep seeking. You got to keep interceding. You got to keep contending. We get emails and messages all the time regarding this. Well, God's not answering my prayer. God's not listening to me. God's ignoring me. God's rejecting me. God has left me. He's abandoned me. No, he's not. Listen, the problem, listen, the problem with us 
is we live in a society that it's instant, instant oatmeal, instant grits, instant eggs, instant this, put it in the microwave, push 30 seconds, push one minute, drive through fast food. I can get a hamburger in one minute, two minutes. Everything is instant. Well, friends, God don't have a drive through service. He doesn't have an instant prayer. He doesn't have an instant. Come on. He doesn't have an instant this and instant that. Everything is done in order and it's done according to the manuscript and the instructions that he's given us. Come on. Let me just use one example. If James said, if there be any sick among you, what did he say? He said, go and get the elders and get some anointing oil and the elders can pray over you and the prayer of faith. Come on. She'll save you and you can be healed. And if you be, if there be any sins committed, they'll be forgiven of you. Did you see that? There's an order to that. There's, there's instructions and there is an order. He says to the early church in, in Mark 16, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead. And if, they're, if, you, if, any, if anyone takes up any deadly serpents and shall not harm them, they'll speak in new tongues. There is an order. Somebody say order. There's an order to these things. So here's Moses up there seeking the face of God, and you've got millions of Israelites that he's just delivered. You think about this, friend. They have just been delivered supernaturally out of the hands of Pharaoh. They went through, come on, they went through all that. God himself supernaturally parted the Red Sea. He showed up in a fire by night, a, cl- a cloud by day. There was, the, there, was a, uh, there was water coming out of a rock. There was, uh, the bitter waters were made fresh. All these miracles, you had the manna falling from heaven. You had quail falling from heaven. And these people are, are, are losing their power patience with Moses because he's not doing it in the time in which they expect. So let's go back. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron. Here we go. See, oh, can I say this? Listen, people will always gravitate towards the weak links of the church. Come on, if you have a pastor that's rooted and grounded in the word, he's got a face like flint, he's got a strong backbone, he's got conviction, he walks in the fear of the Lord, he does not compromise. I'm telling you, if there is anyone on staff, an associate pastor, deacons, elders, if they if they have a weakness, if they're not strong in these areas, they are a weak link, and Satan will make sure and see to it that the people in the church will grab gravitate towards the weak links of that leadership. And here's Aaron, you know, the guy that Moses had to have because Moses was felt so inadequate to be able to fulfill what God called him to do. So he had to have Aaron and he leaves Aaron in charge and the people gravitate towards Aaron. Now you think about this millions of people coming to this one guy. Think about the pressure here. And they said to Aaron, listen, listen what they say. Quote, come Make us God's little G plural tense. Make us God's that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, 
the man whom brought us out of the land of Egypt. We don't know what has become of him. Really? The man of God who delivered you from Egyptian bondage brought you through through the hand of God through miracles, signs and wonders is now up on a mountain seeking the face of God. And you have the nerve to come to Aaron and say, hey, make us God's little G plural tense. Because this Moses joker Oh, well, we don't know what happened to him. He, he, he may have went up there with his lunch pail and fell off the side of the mountain. He slipped on a, on a rock and hit his head. And he probably died because he hasn't been eaten or whatever. We don't know what's, what's going on with this guy. So listen, Aaron, here's what we need you to do. We need you to make us gods. How ignorant and stupid is that? Think about, guys, you don't realize this because we read over this stuff, but these folks just came out of Egypt. Do you know how many quote unquote gods Egypt had? little g and god the scholars say there was 10 major quote unquote gods in egypt there was the god of the sun there was the god of the river there was 10 major gods and why do you think there was 10 plagues sent from god because god sent a judgment on every one of their false gods and these same people that got brought out of that quickly forget Oh, who am I talking to today? They quickly forget the hand of deliverance, the hand of God who brought them out of bondage. And now they're saying, hey, can you make us some new gods that we can worship? This is just unbelievable. So let's go back. Let's go back here. Verse two. So you would think that Aaron would be like, uh, are you kidding me? Uh, do you realize what you just got brought out of? Uh, Do you want the judgment of God coming on us? You're nuts. Shut your mouth and sit down and wait. Keep praying. But no, your Bible says, verse two, and Aaron said to them, listen to this genius idea. Break off the gold earrings, which are in your ears on your wives, your sons, your daughters, and, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hands and listen to this. And he who Aaron, Aaron fashioned the gold with an engraving tool and and made a molded calf. Wow. Way to go, Aaron. You just created a false God and an idol. You think God's going to be pleased with that? What do you think Moses is going to say about that one? All right, so let's read on. Let's see what happens here. And then they said, look, look what they said. The people said, and then they said, quote, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Whoa, whoa. Throw a red flag on the field on this one. This right here, friend, is what ticked God off. Who come on, somebody talk to me. Who brought the land? Who brought the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage? Come on. The Yahweh, Elohim, I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He brought the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Now he used Moses. But it was God who brought them out. And these jokers, with the help of Aaron, you know, the guy that was left in charge, 
molded a golden calf for them. And these people have the audacity to say, this is your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. No, he didn't. This golden, stupid golden calf didn't bring you out of Egypt, you idiots. It was God. Oh, let's see what happens here. So when Aaron saw this, you would, I'm, I'm sitting here reading this guys. And I'm like, okay, Aaron's not going to put up with that. Aaron is going to be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we, we're going to burn this thing. We're going to tear this thing down because these people are falling into full blown idolatry. But I'm disappointed again with Aaron verse five. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. This joker is building an altar so that these people can worship this golden calf. And Aaron made a proclamation. So now he builds an altar and now he makes a proclamation. He says, quote, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And then they rose early on the next day and they offered burnt offerings. And this was not to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, friend. They were making this feast to the quote unquote Lord and these burnt offerings to the Lord and these peace offerings were not to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It was to this stupid golden calf. And the Bible says, and they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. But while all the while, listen to this. So the sound of music's going on, the sound of jubilation and celebration. They're all jumping around, dancing around this, this golden calf that Aaron built from the gold that he molded out of the fire and then the altar there so they could worship it. But guess what's happening up on the mountain of Mount Sinai? Verse seven, and the Lord said to Moses, oh, the Lord is ticked off, friend. The Lord says, go get down. Get off this mountain. I'm going to add my own words here. It's okay. Get off this mountain. Your people. I I love how he says your people. God is so mad. He's no longer called him his people. He's saying to Moses, they're your people. For your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have forsaken my blueprints. They have rejected my word. My instructions, look at this, watch this. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, quote, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Man, I hate to be these guys. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and indeed it is a stiff necked people. Now, therefore, let, let me alone. Listen, this is God speaking to Moses. He's saying, leave me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I can consume them and I'll make you a great nation. Come on, let me translate that for you. I'm going to wipe out every one of these jokers. Just like Aaron took their gold from their from their head and their bodies and he melted in a fire and made a golden calf. I'm going to I'm going to burn up these people and make them crispy critters, but I'll raise you up and be a nation. Come on. I, I can't read all this, guys, for sake of time, because we're already 43 minutes into this. But I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of the rest of this for you. OK. So as a result of this, Moses began to stand in the gap and intercede for the children of Israel. And he actually reminded God of the covenant that he made with the children of Israel, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants. And the Bible says that when Moses reminded God of his covenant, he caused the Lord to relent 
and repent of the intentions that he had or that he was about to carry out against the children of Israel. So as we read on, Moses comes down from the mountain, hears all this noise and, and all this carrying on going on and sees them marching and jumping around and worshiping this golden calf. And this is absolutely profound. The Bible says that so it was when he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and the anger of Moses became hot. So now God's ticked off. Moses is ticked off. It's not going to go well for Aaron and for these people. And he cast the tablets out of his hands and he actually broke the commandments. There's a joke that says that Moses got so mad that Aaron broke one commandment that he broke all 10. It's just a joke. Anyway, verse 20, then he took the calf, which they had made. So Moses is doing what Aaron should have done. He takes the calf, he throws, he burns it in the fire, grounds it to powder, scatters it in water, and he makes the Israel drink it. Think about that. He makes all these people that was worshiping this thing drink the gold. I'm sure that that probably messed them up pretty good. And then Moses says to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? Wow. And listen to Aaron's response. The guy that Moses just had to have with him and put in charge. So Aaron said, do not let the, oh, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know, the people, they are set on evil. Uh, Here we go. He's deflecting the blame. Oh, it's them. You know, their heart set on evil. Listen, verse 23, for they said to me, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And I said to them, this is Aaron saying this. I said to them, whoever, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave me the gold. Listen what Aaron says. And I cast it into the fire and this calf came out. So what is Aaron, a magician? Is Aaron trying to be Houdini? Is he David Copperfield? Listen how stupid that sounds. Aaron says, I don't know how this happened, Moses. I took all their their earrings and their gold, and I threw it in the fire, and and wallabadoom, here comes a golden calf. It just popped out like a jack-in-the-box, and it's sitting right there. I don't know how the altar got built. I don't know how the calf got molded, Moses, but I'm telling you, I threw the gold in and this thing popped right up, right? Unbelievable. So as a result of this, friend, judgment came from the Lord. And most, why do you think most of the people of Israel did not make it into the promised land because of this stuff right here? Listen, listen to me real carefully. I'm still in my message today. If we actually think that we're going to see Bible results and not do things the Bible way. We are deceived, arrogant, and just plain ignorant. Now I said all that. I, that was 45 minutes or 40 minutes of a big foundation here. Now here we are today and it's over. I'm telling you guys, it's week after week after week. We read stories. We read reports. We read articles where again, We're seeing more and more where pastors, leaders, apostles, evangelists, teachers, prophets, all of them, 
are they're abandoning the original blueprints and the original instruction book that God gave us. And they're creating new carts, new programs and new methodologies all in the name of trying to get some warm hind ends in their seats so that they can get money in their church and that they could build their own kingdom. They're not interested in signs, wonders, and miracles, and healings, and deliverances, and demons cast out. They're not interested in that stuff. All they want, they want the numbers. They want the growth. They want the platforms. They want the prestige. They want the recognition. And we wonder, listen, and then we sit around scratching our heads, and we wonder why we get reports like this from the Washington Post that says more Americans are non-religious than ever. And when you, start, when you read this report, it tells you that there's a huge majority of young people that are completely abandoning, come on, organized religion as we know it. Why? Because it's not doing anything for them. The elders, the leaders, the shepherds, the pastors, those who have been entrusted with the instruction book, the manuals, to do things the way God intended it. They have tossed it aside and they've created their own empires. They've created their own, uh, their own new carts. We've got to have the best music, the best platform, the best looking people, all the theatrics. We've got to have all the, we've got to have the best sports team. We've got to have all these things. And listen, people will listen to this and they'll get mad at me because, well, here you go attacking this and attacking that. Guys, again, come talk to me when you're doing things that the Bible tells us that we should be operating and it should be normal. When I say casting out devils, this should not be some taboo thing that you hear about on the Discovery Channel or National Geographic or you see a a video from, from 30 years ago. And I don't mean all this nonsense that we have today where people are passing passing around buckets in the congregation. Everybody's just throwing up. And I'm not saying, don't get mad at me. Do, am I saying that people can't throw up through a demon possession? Absolutely they can. But I'm telling you, we have made this theatrical. People are more in, in the name of deliverance. They have built a huge following because it's entertainment. Some of these people even charge a cover fee and, and fees to come and get to, to get demons cast out of them. When the Bible says freely you've received, freely you've received, freely give. Listen, I would run from any quote unquote minister, teacher, preacher, pastor, shepherd, whatever, prophet that wants to put a price tag on your deliverance. I run as quick as you can. Here's another example. Remember all the flack that Pope Francis got? When he came out and said that we're that the Catholic Church is now going to begin to bless same-sex couples, that the church can bless same-sex couples, do you realize how asinine that sounds? Do you realize how unbiblical that is? Do you realize that is not the instructions? That is not in the instruction book. God, you can't bless what God calls an abomination. But Pope Francis, listen, he got so much flack, the Catholic Church and Pope Francis, he got so much flack over it 
that he came out and did damage control. And he responded saying that, quote, the opponents of gay couples receiving blessings are, quote, and I quote, small ideological groups in Africans. Really? What, in other words, that's an insult to you, friend. So if you oppose, if you oppose blessing, what God said is an abomination, then you're probably, according to Pope Francis, who is the guy, he's the big cheese guys of the Catholic church. Then you're not, you're probably one of those small minded individuals in a small ideological group, or you're probably one of those African groups. The pontiff claimed that even in Africa, the resistance is more cultural as homosexuality is generally not tolerated. He went on to say, quote, those who protest vehemently belong to small ideological groups. A special case are Africans. For them, homosexuality is something bad from a cultural point of view. They don't tolerate it. Um, hello, Pope Francis. When was the last time you opened up a Bible, dude? In case you haven't, let me help you out. Let me give you the words of the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> I mean, was the Apostle Paul African? Last time I checked, he wasn't. Was the Apostle Paul part of a small ideological group? No. He was one of the till pillars of the New Testament church. In fact, he was raised up by God to preach to the Gentiles. So what did Paul say about homosexuality? Well, here's what he said. Do you know, he said, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither shall fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, or homosexuals, or sodomites, or thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners, none of which will inherit the kingdom of God. So, Mr. Francis, it's not that the Africans have a bad perception of homosexuality, they have a biblical perception of homosexuality. But he went on to say, let's see what else this guy had to say. Quote, but in general, I trust that gradually everyone will be reassured by the spirit of the fiducia supplicants. What that whatever. OK, I, I listen. I don't want to be reassured by the spirit of the fiducia supplicants. I want to be reassured by the spirit of the Holy Ghost. Come on. Declaration by the diastry of the doctrine of the faith. Which, here we go, ready? It aims to include, not divide, the Pope said. Translation, it aims to conform and not correct. Let me say that again. In other words, the Pope is telling you, listen, if you're listening to this and you're Catholic, friend, wake up. Come out of this cage of every unclean bird get out run this is your this is your main guy saying this stuff telling you that we need to adapt to a spirit that includes and not divides a spirit that conforms and that affirms what god calls an abomination you know what that is friend that is absolutely first timothy chapter four let me show it to you in the Bible. Paul said the spirit, and he's not talking about the spirit that Pope's talking about. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. Come on, the old timers call the Holy Ghost. You call Holy Spirit. Ghost and spirit, go in, they interchange. We're not talking about a, woo, a, a Casper ghost, guys. Again, read the original Hebrew, read Greek. People get all worked up about that stuff. Again, the spirit of God expressively says 
that in the latter times, end days, end times, days of the, the time of the end, some will depart from the faith. Look what it says here. And they will give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. My friend, that is exactly what has happened to the Pope of the Catholic Church. And you know who else it's happening to? And it's happened a long time is the Methodist Church, which is absolutely it makes me want to puke just saying this because I understand because I understand the rich heritage of the Methodist Church. I'm talking about John Wesley. I'm talking about Charles Wesley. And here it is. Listen to this quote. Look at this headline. The Methodist Church brands terms husband and wife as offensive. I, I don't. I don't know if you heard me clearly in the back row. The terms husband and wife are now deemed by the Methodist church to be offensive. Offensive to who? Who's this offensive to? Well, we all know who. Come on. That's a rhetorical question, by the way. You know who it's offensive to. It's offensive to the woke people. That's who it's offensive to. The Methodist Church has claimed that ministers should avoid using the terms husband and wife because it conveys an assumption that is not the, quote, reality for many people. Okay, translation. Let me read this from my translation. The Methodist Church no longer wants to abide by the original manuscript and blueprints of the Bible and the Word of God because it is now offensive to a culture and a society that doesn't heed the word of God and doesn't look at it as absolute truth. So in, 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 in with the attempt to avoid offending them and losing members, which means equal, uh, which is equivalent to losing money. We are now going to cater to them. We're going to we're going to we're going to deviate from the Bible and we're just going to make up stuff to appease these people. That's what that says, friend. Let me read this. This is so outlandish that it's ridiculous, but I'm going to read it anyway. The denomination made the statement in its, quote, inclusive language guide, which will be updated every six months. Of course it will, because whatever the woke crowd says, we got to update it so that we can appease to them. We're going to update it every six months months to to advise congregations how to quote repent of any hurtful language we're not going to advise you to repent of your sin which is biblical but we want you to repent of any hurtful language we don't want people's feelings hurt i mean you know what if there's a little kid in the congregation that it identifies as a lizard Well, instead of casting the devil off of them and getting them set free, we're going to abide by this new language guide. And we're going to just cater to what they say. If they say they're a lizard, then they're a lizard. That's what we're going to do. In the name of God, right? In the name of religion and faith. And we wonder why young people are running from the church. Are you kidding me? Well, Brother Ricky, you sound like you're really mad and fired up. I am. You, you, listen, if you can hear this and it don't make you angry and it doesn't give you righteous indignation, then friend, you're just as dried and dead up and a, and a, a sepulcher full of dead man's bones as any of these people are. 
The guidance argued that relationships come in many varied expressions and using the terms parent, partner, and child are a good place to start. Oh, it goes on. In sections addressing gender identity, the guide claimed that using a person's chosen pronouns is helpful as it honors their identity. Um, your gender is not your identity. I'm so sick of that. It's not your identity. Go ahead and flag it, Google. I don't care. Flag it. You want to know? Listen, the Bible makes it clear. Listen, I'm going to tell you where to find it. Ready? It's going to be, I know it's going to be very difficult for some of you, but if you go all the way back to the first book in the book of Genesis, and you read first, if you read the first three to five chapters, it will give you every, it will clear up everything for you right there in the first three to five chapters of Genesis. Language such as brothers and sisters, while intended to be inclusive and friendly, doesn't take into account our non-binary friends. All right, so that's enough of that nonsense. I can't even, my blood pressure can't tolerate much more of that. So let's go on to the next one here. This one made a lot of uh, this one ruffled a lot of feathers too. Most of you guys know we reported on this Lil Nas X. I couldn't tell you a single song this guy sings. I don't listen to this kind of music. I don't, I, it's just ridiculous. Um, and, but nevertheless, he was recently slammed for what is being called demonic promos, mocking the crucifixion, uh, of, uh, uh, mocking the crucifixion and the Eucharist. And here, I'm going to scroll down so you guys can see this. This is actually from Lil Nas X. This is from his uh, X account, or formerly known as Twitter. I'm going to read this to you. Quote, my new single is dedicated to the man who had the greatest comeback of all time. Again, allegedly uh, dedicating this to Jesus Christ. But here is, you uh, for you guys that are watching or listening by Apple, by Spotify, you've got a group of, you've got... uh, Oh, you got, we'll see one, two, two women and another man. And, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I shouldn't have done that. I don't, I don't know what they identify as. So we've got uh, human beings that are pulling what should have been Christ up from the cross who it being lifted up. And instead of Christ on the cross, it's Lil Nas X. Well, this sparked huge controversy and anger. Uh, because of this. And then there's another one. I'm going to show you this one. This is on your screen as well. And you can see where he's hanging on the cross. And then look above him. You see this right here, this little emblem? Again, absolutely demonic, guys. His tweet was met with backlash from some, some on social media, including other rappers who accused him of being demonic, blasphemous, and selling his soul to the devil. Quote, uh, rapper Bryson Gray said, this is demonic. Some expressed weariness with that, with what they consider Hill's mockery of Christianity, which has gone on for years, including showing up to the 2021 BET Awards and address that likened to a Catholic church to Nazism. Now, of course, Lil Nas X recently came out and said that he is now becoming Christian, or this is where his new... Um, I don't know the exact words that he said. Uh, the Christian era. That's what it was. Lil Nas X says he's entering his Christian era. 
And he even stated that, that it doesn't mean that his sexuality has changed because he has come out and said he was an open homosexual. And he said, just because he's a Christian doesn't mean he has to change his sexuality. Friends, listen, if, if you're falling for this stuff, you're listening to this, you're following this stuff, you let your children listen to this, you advocate this stuff, then friends, you are guilty of falling into the category of what the Apostle Paul said in his letter in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Watch, this is where it all goes. I'm going to close with this. How long have we gone here? I've got to check my time here. We've gone over, okay, we've, we need to wrap it up. It's been about an hour. Let me read this to you. First, this is 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine or the base, the, again, they will not endure the instruction book, the creator's manual. They will not tolerate it anymore. They will not endure it anymore. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth. And they'll be turned aside to fables. Bottom line, this this is why I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. And neither should you. If you know the word of God, you know the Bible, you know prophecy, you know that everything that we're talking about discussing today and what we're seeing today on the horizon is all prophecy being fulfilled. But listen, just because prophecy is being fulfilled doesn't mean that any of us come on, cannot fall victim to this. If we're not prayed up, remain in the original instruction book in the manual to know how we're to live our lives and govern our lives and be led by the Holy Spirit of God, then we can be subject to this as well. Again, there's going to be, according to uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians, the falling away. There will be a falling away in the last days, a falling away of the end times of people who profess Christ. They'll profess to be Christ, but they're not heeding the original manuscript and the original instructions. They have, they've completely deviated from this. They've created their own Christianity. They have made their own Jesus. Come on in the way and they, they've created their own Jesus to come on to condone their lifestyles and not rebuke their lifestyle. They are flocking to churches that will commend their lifestyles. And again, not preach a message of repentance to have them changed and transformed in the presence of God. So guys, I wanted to deliver this to you today. I want to pray with you real quick before we do that again. Uh, intimeheadlines.org, intimeheadlines.com. Here uh, on your screen is our free app. Again, download it today, available on Apple, Android devices. Get that yes notification, that push notification. Uh, put yes for the push notification, and you're going to be notified of every headline, every podcast, when it comes readily available. Again, if this ministry edifies you, equips you, informs you, blesses you, all of the above, please pray about becoming a monthly partner. Two different ways you can do that electronically. Uh, you can go to the main website, intimeheadlines.org. You can go to the app, click on donate at the bottom. 
These are ways you can do it electronically, or you can get by check or money order right there on your screen at End Time Headlines, P.O. Box 1391. That's going to be Monroe, Georgia, 30655. And again, guys, uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Before we pray, I want to give you some quick announcements. Uh, We're going to take off tomorrow, which will be Wednesday. I believe it's January the 31st. And then we'll be right back on here on the 1st of February. The 1st of February. Can you believe that? We're already through a whole month. We're, we're a month down already in the new year of 2024. So we'll be back Thursday, February 1st, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. And on Thursday night, we're going to give an update on the red heifers. So this will be a prophetic message. We don't want you to miss this. We're going to give you an update on the red heifers. And then we'll be back Friday night. I'm not really sure what we're going to do yet. I'm just going to see, uh, get in my, get in the word, get in my devotional time. If I get a word, I'm going to deliver it Friday, or we may give you some, uh, give you some updates, give you some information out there that you need to know about. So we're, we're going to kind of see what goes on. A lot can happen in the next 48 hours. So we want to keep you up to date with all that and keep an ear to that. So let's pray real quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I have delivered this word that I felt that you put on my heart to deliver. I pray for the recipients of this. Lord, if there be anybody watching, listening, Lord, that maybe they have fallen victim to this. Lord, they have fallen victim to jumping on the new bandwagon, the new cart, the new program, the new methodology. Lord, because they believe that, Lord, this is the way that it needs to be done. This is the way that it should be done. And Lord, if they're they're not seeing results and they're going around and around, Lord, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. And we know that, Lord, if we do things Bible way, we'll get Bible results. I pray that each and every one of us would heed the words of Jeremiah the prophet, that we would repent, that we would turn and go back to our old paths and seek those paths and the way in which we were in and walk in it so that we may receive that peace and we may see the results of the Lord manifested in our lives. Lord, we repent of, Lord, deviating from the instruction manual that you've given us. Let us get back to this, the blueprints of heaven, the Bible, the Word of God, so that we can walk, we can live, and we can be effective in this world while we are passing through. And Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Listen, God bless you guys. Uh, Again, hit that like button, hit that bell notification. Help us push this stuff out there. Listen, we will be off. Uh, Again, we'll be off tomorrow. We'll see you guys Thursday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Until then, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and may his countenance shine upon you. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the End Time Headlines podcast. We pray that you've been blessed and equipped by today's message. For more information about how you can help partner with our ministry, please visit endtimeheadlines.org.